This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Western and Southern Financial Group. Put our financial strength behind you. It's easy to get started. Visit westernsouthern.com. Now batting, number one in our hearts. At least he'd like to think so. It's the Jim Day Podcast. There is a short list of players that I've covered over the years that fit into a small category of the favorite guys I've ever covered. Not only as players, but as people. And it is a short list. And this guy's on it. And he's back on the podcast. Bronson Arroyo. How the heck you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Can't, can't complain other than a few things. <laughs> well, we all have a few things to, to complain about. That's right. <laughs> now, coming up, you were about to make a, uh, well, you've been making many public appearances music-wise, but you're about to reconvene at Great American Ballpark for this Marty Brenneman induction ceremony and also the Legends Celebrity softball game which the list is a who's who in reds history it's unbelievable are you looking forward to seeing a lot of old faces oh i'm definitely looking forward to seeing the guys and uh i didn't even get to see the list but i can imagine um you know with the history of this team and how many how many people usually show up to the inductions the hall of fame inductions i mean marty is obviously probably one of the top three guys have been inducted into this hall of fame over the last you know 20 or 30 years um just you know, the history of him being here so long and, and spanning the gap from, you know, the, the big red machine all the way through, uh, basically modern baseball. So, um, it's going to be fun to see the guys, you know, a softball game will be interesting. I don't know. I don't know if I can contribute in any way, but, uh, <laughs> but we're going to show up. You're a little banged up, right? Yeah, I'm a little banged up. I've got a little, got a little, uh, neck issue going on with some bulging discs and, uh, you know, trying to get it taken care of, but it's uh, it's nagging me right now. So, you know, my body's telling me that I'm in my mid-40s and I'm going to have to take care of it a little bit better. So you go through your entire career. I mean, you were almost basically injury-free. Did you never – how many years did you go without missing a start? I went from 1995 until mid-2014. So it was about 19 Goodness. and a half years without, yeah, without missing a game. I mean, and th- there were times when I was a little beat up. You know, there definitely was, you know, your Tommy John ligament would there would be times when I couldn't do pull ups. Um, you know, you'd have things inside your shoulder that would be irritating you. And but, you know, I always found ways to get back out on the mound and try to, um, you know, make it through that next one without damaging it worse. And then you could parlay that to the next start and get those four days in between. And, and you know, it's it's partially luck. I mean, I could have got hit by a line drive and broke a finger. I mean, I got hit multiple times, uh, you know, in, in spring training. I can remember getting hit by by uh, David Murphy and right in the hand. And I thought he shattered my right hand and, and they put it under the fluoroscope and, and nothing was broke. I mean, and stuff like that was just pure luck that I didn't miss any games there. But, 
you know, now that I'm, I'm not playing and I'm having this issue in my neck, I'm thinking, man, if I would have had this back then, you know, this could knock you out for an entire season. Oh, it, but it's unbelievable that. So I guess the the point is the blessing that you never want to go through any tough times uh, with the, what you're going through right now, but better now than during the career. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, even just thinking back upon, you know, I had Tommy John and I had my shoulder surgery both done basically at the same time. I was 37 years old. It took me two and a half years to come back from that. And I probably would have come back quicker if I was 27. Right. But, ima- you know, but imagine a guy who didn't throw hard like myself, who at every turn was constantly having to prove that he could, you know, pitch at the big league level for a long period of time and hold up to the resiliency of, of being a starter. Um, had, I, had I broke at age 23 and had shoulder surgery or Tommy John, it probably changes my entire career. And, you know, I never get the opportunity to be a mainstay guy who got the ball every fifth day. And, you know, part of that, like I said, is just a little bit of luck, a little bit of how you're made by nature. And, and um, I was fortunate enough to be a guy who also didn't have to throw at max effort. So it gave me an opportunity to try to not break um, as I was, you know, trying to get outs. Well, the uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony in this softball game is coming up Friday, August 27th at Great American Ballpark, and tickets are available. Uh, log on to redsmuseum.org, and you were let – me, let me give you some of these names. This I don't know if this will blow you away or not, and this will be a long list, but it's the, the amount of people that are coming back for this, and they might even have some late ads, but you, Johnny Bench, Jack Billingham, Brett Boone, Jeff Brantley – Tom Browning, Leo Cardenas, Sean Casey, Norm Charlton, Dave Concepcion, Eric Davis, Rob Dibble, Adam Dunn, Raleigh Eastwick, Doug Flynn, George Foster, Geronimo, Danny Graves, Chris Heisey, Tommy Helms, Danny Jackson, Barry Larkin, Jim Maloney, Corky Miller, Hal Morris, Randy Myers, Ron Oster, Joe Oliver, Dave Parker, Tony Perez, Lou Pinella, Ted Power, Pokey Reese, Arthur Rhodes, John Reeling, Jose Rijo, Sabo, Soto, Tom Coe, Greg Vaughn, Weathers, Williamson, Whittingham, Demetri Young, to name a few. That's wow. an impressive That's- list. <laughs> that is an awesome list because you know you know people don't realize when we when we play with each other for so many years you get to see these guys every day and then when you retire you know or even in the off seasons you rarely ever talk to anyone and yeah. everyone has their own lives and they've got their kids and next thing you know you know david weather's son is pitching on tv and david's that? sitting in the stands with you chatting chatting it up at the game and and you don't realize how how quickly the years go by and you just named off at least 15 guys that i would love to see that i haven't seen in at least five years yeah, that I mean, it, it, it's amazing how that works. And you guys spend so much time together, and then all of a sudden, it it just ends. Although yeah, I'm- and there's a lot. There's also a lot of history there that people don't realize too. So for a guy like Scott Williamson, right, he wins Rookie of the Year here at Cincinnati. But I played against him in the minor leagues. We were on the same Arizona Fall League team in 1998. So there's also a lot of times, you know, an undercurrent of of some of these guys that you you came up with in the minor yeah. league system that people don't quite realize. Yeah. How about the uh, do you have some text threads that go on? I love asking people this because former players and anyone in life in general really has a group text going and it's a thread that just continuously goes on. Do you have those that you keep up with some small group of people? No, I don't. I I actually I hate I hate I hate I hate text messages that have more than one person on them (laughs) because like you said, the threads go forever. See, I. I don't, you know, most, most people keep all their text messages in their phone, right? Like, so I'm sure you could probably go back and 
look up a, a text message from me from a year ago and scroll back up and see if I don't, I don't do that. I only keep text messages in my phone as a reminder for something that I have to do. So it's like a to-do list. So at, at no given time is there any more than 15 text messages in my phone. And as soon as I'm done with it, so when I'm done with this, with this podcast today, the gym day text message gets erased. And then I never see it again. So that's it. That, that is how I live my life. I need it to be simple. And to have text messages that are just going on for an endless amount of time would drive me insane. You know what? I was admit asking you of that question. I thought to myself, of course he doesn't have text threads going. This is the same guy that had a flip phone till about a few years ago. That's right. I try to keep it, you know, people will ask me, you know, how, you know, I played 22 years, 22 years of baseball, you know, seven of them were in the minor leagues and nobody wants to give you any credit for your minor league um, numbers. And we've talked about that before, but yeah. I've got 1100 innings down there, you know, and people say, well, how did you survive that long? And part of it was the fact that I kept, kept my life simple. You know, you'd see guys when you, you come to the big league level, you, you, you play three years, you get a decent little contract. Next thing you know, you got the big house with the bowling alley and you've got kids and, you know, they're start, starting, uh, you know, your attention and your energy is being pulled in different directions sometimes. And it's, you know, it's just transcended my life now. And, and so I try to keep everything simple, like you said, with the flip phone. And so now that I have an iPhone, I'm definitely not the guy who's got text message threads going on forever i literally and i don't remember the year this happened but i literally wanted to put out on social media breaking news bronson arroyo has an iphone <laughs> yeah, i know it was funny when whenever my text messages started popping up on people's phones in blue and they knew that i didn't have the flip phone anymore i mean i was just getting text messages from people that were just like they were astonished it was like you know it was like if i told them that i was I don't know. Just the, the biggest surprise of all time. They're like, are you kidding me? You've got an iPhone? Yes. It's unbelievable. It was breaking news. It's still breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, that was just something I said a, a, like way back early on. It was, you know, it was probably around the time that I got here. It was probably around 08, 09, 2010 when flip phones started going out of style. And I just started, I just started being that, that veteran guy in the clubhouse. And I just said, I was going to keep that until I retired because it was, it was a good conversation piece for, for young guys who just, oh, yeah. you know, we all think the game is going to last forever. And, and, and if you really look at most people's careers, you know, it's, it's, it's shorter than five years and you just think that's going to go on for 15 for everybody. And, and so it's, it's, it's a nice way. It was a nice way to have a conversation about you, you need to save your pennies. You were amazing in that you were part Renaissance man and part throwback in many ways. You were very progressive yeah. in many ways. Yeah, you're a throwback on the mound and with things like a flip phone. You're right. Yeah, I know. I, I remember being in a hotel room in in, uh, in Arizona, and uh, I, I pulled a uh, I pulled a, a MacBook Pro out of my 1950s briefcase, you know, that I used to carry on the plane. Yes. And, 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 and this girl said to me, she said, uh, she's like, this doesn't even make any sense here. You got a 1950s briefcase you're carrying, then you pull out you pull, pull out a brand new computer, you know. But I've always been a mixed bag like that, and I. I feel like it's you have to be that way because if you stray too far in one direction, then it becomes it becomes hard and daunting at some level, right? And then because you you can't just have everything be old because then you know it's just too hard to communicate. Why well, I have the iPhone now? I started go, traveling to other countries, and when you can't don't have the ability to, to to communicate in another country, you get left, you know, at a stadium. Uh, 
Pearl Jam plays and 60,000 people in, in Brazil are leaving the stadium and you have no idea where the hotel is and you don't have a way of calling an Uber or, or getting directions to the hotel, you realize quickly that you better you better step it up a little bit. And But, you know, on, on the other side of that, on the flip side of that coin, there's also, you know, things that you want to keep rooted. And, you know, for instance, that I keep my cars for, you know, 15 years. And, yeah. you know, I, I, re- I really enjoy that. I take care of them and they... They run well, and and um, it also saves you some money. So it, I've always been a mixed bag like that. I know we've talked about this suitcase before, or briefcase, whatever you want to call it. It more, looks more like a small suitcase. Um, right. But what the heck, I want to ask about it again. Can you describe to fans what this is? I, I, I the younger audience isn't going to know, but it, right. it even had to have the you hit the button and it goes, the little things flip up. Yeah, exactly. You hit the button and the, and the little latches pop up. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, I have mo- it's not just one. There was one that I traveled with. Um, that was the first one I ever had, and I I always traveled with that um, on our road trips, baseball wise. But I have a bunch of them that I use for music equipment. Some of them have foot pedals in them. You know, all the things you might need for a show. Some of them, um, I actually use them as sometimes as um, suitcases to take my clothes on the road somewhere. Um, but they're just 1950s. If you think about you know, I don't know, uh, like an old an old show or a movie from the 50s when the father would come home from work and he'd kind of like put that little briefcase on the ground as he's like kissing his wife and she's making dinner. It's kind of like one of those old vintage um, suitcases. And, and I, I got that idea um, the first time I was with Eddie Vedder at a Pearl Jam show. He, he was using one and it just had so much style and swag to it that I just thought that was great. So I looked him up on eBay found one and then it became a little bit of an obsession to try to find old ones that were really clean and um, didn't smell a lot on the inside and see if you could just you know yeah uh, go around the country and find something nice he would carry those on stage right because he would keep his uh i know he would keep his notebooks very close to him wouldn't he carry the around us or at least backstage he would have like his his little book that he would keep notes in yes i've seen i've seen him at a lot of solo shows i've seen him take the suitcases on the stage, yeah. sometimes flipping the lid up and having maybe two songs that you didn't know the lyrics to that you are just doing someone else's song or something. And you'd have some lyrics in there. Um, but at the Pearl Jam shows, a lot of times uh, it seems like he would just take his, his one notebook out, maybe right. his lyric book. I think he got his lyric book stolen yeah. way back off stage. And so he always vouched, I think, to keep it with him all the time. Could you imagine having an Eddie Vedder journal with some like lyric ideas in it? Jeez, somebody took that's. I'm surprised that's never surfaced. You know? I know, very strange. Yeah, but that would be something because that's an incredible mind. Uh, this this Marty thing, I, I got to ask you the proverbial question: Did he ever light you up? <laughs> um, on air or in person? <laughs> Both. Uh, no, you know me and Mar- me and Marty always had a good relationship. I, I remember it was. I know was, he likes you a lot. It was the very first year in 06. I, I got off to a ridiculous start, right? I was I was like 5-0 and or 5-1. and I'd hit those two homers. And I remember we were playing in Pittsburgh. And this had to be – it must have been May. And uh, I got beat by, by a Pirates team that ran – that had Jack Wilson in the three-hole, Freddie Sanchez in the four-hole, and it was all right-handed. So there wasn't a lot of thump in the lineup, and it was tailor-made for me. I felt like I should have been able to win that game. And they beat me. They, they kicked my butt that day. And I remember saying – I said some things in the paper that actually irritated those guys on the other side. I said something like, you know, I had no business losing to that team yesterday. You know, it's not like it's the Yankee lineup. Right. But I had, I had just, I had just come 
from pitching in that Red Sox Yankee rivalry. And when you have a guy like Jorge Posada hitting in the seven holes, got 30 homers, right? And then you and then you run across this pirate all right-handed lineup that didn't have a lot of pop in it. You know, I just felt like there's no reason why I should have lost that game. And I and I probably said something I shouldn't have said in the paper, but Marty respected it because I took all the blame. And so I remember I saw him in the in the lobby of the hotel where Che was getaway day and he came right over to me and just said, you know, nobody ever says stuff like that in the paper. I'm just really proud that, you know, that you owned every bit of that. And um, after that, I think he just really respected me um, through and through. And, And I'm sure there was times when he probably was ripping me on the air, but I was never a guy who listened to a whole lot of that, especially right. if it was my day to pitch. You know, if I, if I came in the clubhouse and I was grabbing a bite to eat, I could hear him talking about other guys. And I just assumed that if I pitched well, he was going to say some good stuff about me. And if I was getting my butt kicked for a long period of time, that he was probably up there uh, ripping me apart. But, you know, I just figured that was par for the course. Yeah, no, it was definitely par for the course. But I know uh, he liked you as a person, and still does. Um, and as a player, I mean, you just took you took the ball every fifth day, and you battled and competed, and you owned it when you did get lit up. So um, you fit right into a player that he would like. I, I thought this was incredible. You make your broadcast debut in the play-by-play booth on radio, Reds Radio. And <laughs> some some guys never call no hitters. Some guys never see no hitters. And your first delve into the radio booth, Wade Miley throws a no-hitter. I mean, are you a good luck charm or what? I don't know. I feel like it was the all Tommy thrall because I only got a couple of words in that day because it was both sides were throwing. They were throwing strikes. They were getting ground balls and pop ups. I mean, it wasn't just like Wade was throwing well. You know, the Cleveland starter was putting up just as many zeros just as quick. And, uh, you know, what you don't realize is on TV, you get an opportunity to talk about the game a little bit more. You can tell some stories because obviously the fans can see what's going on with right. their eyes on the, on the screen, but radio wise, you've got to constantly be updating details of what's happening in the game. And so yeah. Tommy obviously talked a lot as my first game on the air. I was trying to figure out how to interject myself and make it flow. And so we got to do that, but it was a, it was an amazing day. I mean, I was, you know, there's, there's, there's one thing that you, you hate as a, as a baseball fan, I think, and definitely as a player, and that is a really long game. And anytime you can show up to the park and both guys are putting up zeros and then somebody throws a no hitter that you've played with and, the, and and you're rooting for that guy, it's absolutely fantastic. Trust me on the t- length of game thing. I'm now thousands and thousands of games in covering Major League Baseball and some of these games. When Wade Miley is pitching, I, I literally am in a good mood. I'm like, I can't wait for tonight's game. No doubt about it. Yeah, he's stepped. He's he's definitely he's probably one of the quickest guys to throw it um, in the history of the game. And 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 he not only does he get the ball going quick, but he throws strikes constantly. He forces he forces action. And so, um, I mean, even the game last night, I'd flip it off to watch the Olympics for a split second, and next thing you know, I turn it back on. He already had three outs. I was like, what happened? Yeah, five pitch inning. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hey, you were the same way though. I mean, I when you pitched, I loved it, man. You worked quickly. You threw strikes. You threw to soft contact was the plan. Loved it. Yeah, yeah, I was quick. He was he's he's definitely quicker than me though because he he buries that cutter in so much that you can't help but put the ball in play. Where I was, I was, um, you know, I, I out of a more mixed repertoire than him. He's kind yeah. of like comes right at you 
with that cutter all the time on the inner half to righties. And so they, they know it's coming and they, they wind up putting that ball in play. But, but I, yeah, I always try to keep the pace of the game up a little bit. I, I enjoy getting in a flow and, you know, there's some guys like a Homer Bailey who used to walk all around the mound and really collect themselves. And there's, there's a whole probably mental side to that, that they had been taught sometime early on in their life. But for me, it, it just always felt better, especially if things were going good that you wanted to keep the ball rolling. Now, have you thought about retiring from the radio booth? Like one series, one no hitter. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Oh, when I, when I left that night, I told Tommy Thrall, I said, I don't know if I'm coming back tomorrow, man. This might be it. One and done. It's you like- should have. That would have been the greatest. That would have been one of the greatest mic drops ever. Just one ever, and done. I, mean, I did one radio game, and it was a no-hitter. Goodbye, everybody. We'll leave him in the booth just solo that night. That would have been classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, c- come back for the next The Open. Tommy, I'm sorry, buddy. You're on your own tonight. I'm one and done. One That's game, right. one no-hitter, drop the mic. See ya! Yeah, it sounds like my old manager, Jeff Bannister. He got one at bat in the big leagues, and he got a hit. He's always going to be batting a 1,000 on the back of his Major League Baseball card. <laughs> wow, that's great. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, you, well, In seriousness, though, are you going to do some more broadcasting? You Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did enjoy it. I didn't – you know, what I, what I don't enjoy these days is, uh, you know – is traveling really. I mean, I like to travel, but not the way that you have to travel for baseball. You know, it's, it's a strange feeling, but when I, when I was playing baseball, uh, being in a hotel room was like, it felt like a safe place. Uh, it felt like a place that no one knew where you were. You got to recharge your batteries for the day, but you were, you're always preparing for something that you were doing that day at the park, whether it was your squat workout or getting a massage, you know, you're going to be shagging balls. There's this, there's this whole thing that you're constantly preparing for excellence. And I enjoyed that every minute of my entire career. I've been doing that since I was a small child in, in a weight room, lifting heavyweights with my father and talking about protein and talking about diet and, and rest and all this stuff. And it was all a big strategy of how you're going to get the most out of your body. And then as soon as I, I got hurt in 2017 and I knew I was never going to pitch again, the, the hotel room became more like a prison. It was, it was just, I was in a, you know, you're in a foreign city where I don't, I don't have a reason to stay in the room and rest anymore. And so it started, it started bothering me that I, that I was actually having to travel with the team and and being put in those positions. And and it felt the same when I went to do the radio. And so, you know, I, I, I said to the Reds that I, you know, I, I would definitely do some TV or some radio if they need it here and there, but to travel on the road and stay three days in a city like Cleveland, to do that, it's it's not my cup of tea. It's hard. It's hard for me to feel like I'm giving that amount of time away during the day in a, in a city like that, and and, and a, that I'm not wasting it. I you know I, I just feel like I'm wasting my time sometimes um, doing that. And so if it was home games and I could just come straight to the stadium, you know, get after it, um, do do that on air, and then come home, I would feel better about it. But um, so I don't know. I don't know how much will happen in the future, and, and you can't never say never. You know. Yeah. 20 years from now, I could be I could be the next Joe Nuxo and I could be sitting in the clubhouse sneaking Twinkies and smoking <laughs> cigarettes in the kitchen and and, and, doing, and and doing radio or TV. You know, you just never really know where you're going to end up in life. But for the time being, I, I don't see myself being up there a whole lot, especially because of guys like Sam LeCure and Barry Larkin just starting to to, to really kind of, you know, get their flow in that. And I can tell those guys are enjoying that. And, and there really isn't a place for me except for once in a while at a spot, you know, a spot start. So a spot start. I love how you put that. 
Well, Barry's just doing home games, so there is a precedent there. And who knows what what the future holds? It might not be just one guy. It might be just a mixture of a lot of guy, a lot of you guys doing doing right. games. Yeah, I think you know there's definitely there's definitely some stuff in baseball that I would what I would love to do if you know like if I if I if you just had all the time in the world if you had more than one of yourself it's just it's very difficult to 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 not be dedicated to something you know a craft when you're playing at the highest levels everything has to be done. Um, the right way and you, and you can't just go and wing everything and so when i think about going in the clubhouse the, i guess the the best i get out of it is when i go in there i i get to talk to the clubhouse guys i get to see the players maybe shag a few fly balls eat some food watch four or five innings and then go home right and i feel like that's a mixed bag of a little bit of everything you kind of it's like walking in the spring training those first couple of days and catching back up with the guys and that's that's what you miss the most about the game i believe um, but to take it a step further than that and do anything to where you're actually teaching or doing radio or TV full time, it's, it's so time consuming that it's it's difficult to, to, to give up that much of yourself. Yeah. What would you like to do in baseball? I mean, did you kind of just mention it there or there? You know, I, I know it wouldn't you wouldn't want to do a full time gig, but as some type of consultant yeah. or if they gave you a few guys that were like, OK, this we want you to help out with this picture that you got a pet project here. Right. Yeah, I I kind of like that if you have a project for me, but it's just but not a long term project. If it's yeah. you know, because a lot of times I'm always I'm always uh, it's the mental side of the game for me that is the most important, really. You know, I I feel like I can give a perspective to people on how to get um, you know, to either pitch with with less with less get outs with less stuff. You know, everybody's always constantly throwing hard, or you know, I just I just did everything so outside the box in the game that it's. Sometimes it's it's easy for me to give information that people haven't heard before, um, but it, to really make an impact on somebody physically, you know, you got to be around them a lot. You've got to see them pitch in intense games. You got to see what happens with a second and third and nobody out in the first inning. You can't just watch a guy throw bullpens and figure that stuff out. And you and you can't really figure it out in spring training either. And so, to make that sort of an impact would be very very difficult. But I I think my perfect my perfect day honestly is just going down to the park, like I said, hanging out with the guys and after batting practice, sitting in the corner of the shower like I used to and playing music for the guys. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's people who have heard rumors about who you used to be in the clubhouse and how you used to be. And, um, you know, from either younger guys or, or guys from other teams that have come over in trades. And uh, it's nice to just show your face and show people that, you know, the stories they've heard. Oh, here's that guy doing what he used to do, you know, playing the guitar and chatting it up with the boys and, and helping people out. And uh, that that's probably my sweet spot in the game. All right, now hold on a second. This is something I didn't know. Corner of the shower? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. For years we used to – well, either right either Like right in the shower, the shower or so, – Yeah, sometimes in the shower and then sometimes <laughs> right outside the shower because you got to remember the shower is has got all tile on the floor and the ceiling and the wall. So, so everything echoes yeah. good. Exactly. You've got great ambiance in there. You've got good reverb on your vocal and the guitar. And so <laughs> you just take an acoustic guitar in there. So yeah, I, I, I would, uh, I, for years I would play the guitar. Sometimes Jared Burton back in the day would play with me. Um, but for years, yeah, especially near the end of my career, I was playing for the guys constantly in spring training. You can remember being with the Washington Nationals sitting outside the shower and playing for guys. And it was just, it was a way of me being able to, to express myself and, and do something that was going to eat up some time in that clubhouse, maybe when we had some dead space, but also, you know, guys appreciate it because it's not that often that a major league player can pick up an acoustic guitar and just play you an hour and a half of songs, you know, that puts a whole new meaning to an intimate set by Bronson. Oh, O'Reilly. no doubt. 
you know, there's six or seven guys in the shower. And if there was a new guy on the team, they would always kind of be like, what is going on here? But, but quickly you realize that it's just, it's just me and this is what I do. And there's great acoustics in here and you know, we're going to make it happen. And then, and then over time, guys would start asking for it. They'd be like, Hey man, when are you going to play in the shower again? You know, would you get requests? Um, yeah, sometimes, sometimes guys would ask requests. Yeah. I remember, um, I'm always thinking about it because Ken, it's funny. Ken Griffey Jr. and Joey Votto both uh, love Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. And so I remember having to learn that song uh, for, for those guys. But, yeah, you get requests. And then some guys, you know, in the later years would start saying, you got anything original? You know, can you play me something? And, uh, you know, there's always a, there's always a small sect of guys who either, you know, didn't love rock and roll or maybe just didn't love music at all. But there's always, you know, seven or eight guys on the team who really appreciated it. And it was, it was good for, for everyone involved. Wow. The things we learn here on the Jim day podcast, Votto <laughs> and Griffey request fast car to be played acoustically by Bronson Arroyo in the shower. Yeah. Only here. Uh, that was one of their, that was one of their jams. And, and I still don't know all the words to the song, but I've definitely, learned it enough i'm 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 looking forward to going back in the clubhouse and jamming for the boys and playing for joey before he retires if we can ever get uh COVID under control bronson arroyo oh bronson arroyo what a treat and we'll get back to this treat after this message from western and southern financial group life is full of questions like when should i start thinking about life insurance but however difficult these questions may be Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. What do you think he's doing? Think of what he's doing at this age. Oh, absolutely fantastic. You know, you know, I can see it from the other side of the coin, right? Being the guy who played till I was 40. And, um, you know, Joey's last few years, he, he obviously with, with his stance changes and um, not having as much power as he, he would like, and, and j just probably not even, you know, just overall not having the seasons he'd like to have, um, you know, it becomes hard. It's a little bit of a grind. And yeah, you're a productive player and people respect what you've done in the past, but you always want to feel like you're still at the forefront of, you know, being a good player or a great player, especially when you have a name as large as his and when you won an MVP. And so, you know, I, I really just see it from a standpoint that I just love the fact that that confidence is back in him and that you're standing at the plate, you're producing, you're, you're, you're carrying the team on your back as when Castellanos is hurt and, and to do that at, you know, 35, 36, 37 is just absolutely remarkable. And, and you know it won't last forever. It's kind of like the Toby Keith song where he says, you know, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm once good as I ever was. Yeah. And, and when you get older, we, we kind of have these, these pockets of time for a month and a half where you look like your old self from 10 years earlier. And, um, you know, Joey's figuring out something at the plate where he can get a little bit more thump. And I hope he can continue that for the next, you know, three or four years. Um, so when he's done with the game, he feels good about the, the back end of it. Yeah, no doubt. Going back to you instructing players, I, I'm fascinated. You said you would talk about the mental side of the game, which to me, I think players need more work in that regard, especially pitchers nowadays. But do you think you could, uh, would it be harder for you to 
instruct players now because velocity is so oh it's just taken over the game that it's so important and there's more throwers than pitchers now right so would it be harder for you i don't think so you know i mean you know we talk about velocity but it's all on a sliding scale you know i mean when i was young when i was 23 24 just broken into the big leagues a a hard-throwing starter like a joel panero out in seattle for the mariners he threw you know, 92 to 94, maybe 95 on a good day. And that was a hard thrower. But if you asked a guy like that, you know, was he pitching at max effort? He probably was. We've, we've always had the problem that people are trying to go too hard too often. So it doesn't matter if your max, if your max effort is 85 or if it's 100. If you're throwing at max effort, it's still the same, right? Yeah. So we, we're, always de- we're always dealing with, with the same issue. It's like, how do you get outs easier? It's not, it doesn't really matter what the velocity is. And people have always valued velocity. They've always talked about velocity. They've constantly had a radar guns in your face. I mean, your whole, my whole life, you know, and I'm sure that went back into the 80s and the 70s and the 60s. People were always – it's just kind of the way we are as a culture. It's like you want to know who the fastest guy is and who's the strongest guy, right? Like, and, but when you really study the game and see who the guys who survive for a long period of time and continue to put up consistent numbers, they're always a level down from that. You know, it's, it's the Zach Grinkies who, who can pull it back a little bit in the, the Clayton Kershaw's, the guys who are not trying to throw as hard as they can every pitch, but they bring it back just enough. So they have feel command and they can have consistent shapes with their pitches. And so, you know, I think we're always talking about the same stuff. It's just a different generation. And these guys come up, and it's, you know, it's a little bit more flashy, right? There's more, there's, there's, there's more outlets to see people. You can find out what players are doing on Twitter. They're telling you what they're eating. You know, you're seeing more of them. And so we're talking about velocity more because we can see it on the TV more and guys are throwing harder. But I don't, I really don't believe that getting outs is any different. And I don't think it ever will be. It's always going to be about mixing and matching speeds, having command and knowing where the ball is going for most of the time. And, um, so I, you know, the, the one thing that I really love about playing the game as long as I did is I don't think you could ever throw me a curveball, something that I hadn't heard of. Yeah. I don't feel like I could ever go into a clubhouse where somebody's going to just, you know, surprise me so much. I'm going to be like, oh, I've never heard of that in the game of baseball. It's the one it's the one place that I feel confident to talk to anybody from Greg Maddox to Cy Young. And I feel like I could have a good conversation and understand what they're talking about, where they're coming from, and they could do do the same with me. No, I don't think there's any doubt that you'd be in that category. You could literally talk to anyone. And you ought to have your own podcast one day, by the way. I know you probably wouldn't <laughs> want to invest the time. Well, I see but... how much work you're having to do. You're trying to run me down to do this thing. <laughs> I did have to badger you. <laughs> but it's all good because I know my text is going to be erased here in, in moments. So I'll just that's right. erased from, erased from your the- life. That's right. Until you come, until you come back again. But that's see, that's how I do it. Like I don't have, I don't have, I don't have any one group of people who are always in my space. But I just have a ton of people who get to come into my space for small amounts of time. And that's how I've always choose to live. And it's kind of who I was in the clubhouse. I'm giving a small amount of love to almost everyone in the clubhouse, whether it was giving them an anti-inflammatory that they needed for their arm, or you know, trying to remember to to remind them to leave tickets for somebody that we saw last night out at the bar. You know, there was all these little moments. That's yeah. how um, I've lived my life. But it's it's really – you can't keep up with all of it at the same time. So you have to kind of 
erase the text messages and then move on to the next ones that come in. Well, that's one of the things I've always loved about you, man. And I've said this before. It's like whenever you're talking to someone, you look them right in the eye. It doesn't matter how long you've been around them. And it's as if that person is the only person in the room. And you've always been giving. You've always had a large group of people that you've associated with. And I'm not sure you've ever said no to anything. It's not like I've asked the world of you, but and other people. Um, that is just a, a great quality, my friend. And uh, you're you are definitely a special person in that regard. Now, did I hear you mention Twitter? Yeah, I mean, I'm not on there, but I know what it is. <laughs> These things stand out to me. It's like, wow, Bronson said Twitter. So yeah. obviously you're yeah, very I mean, worldly, so I know you know what it is. You're never on there? No, I've never been on there. I've never had the Twitter account. I, I still only have the one social media thing, so I lost that. I lost a bet to Rookie Davis. So I don't know if people remember Rookie Davis, but he was one of our young guys who came mm -hmm. up with Tyler Malley and Louis Castillo. They were all in camp that 2017 season, and he said to me, Hey, you've got to get one social media thing, Bronson. Come on, just one. And so I said, all right, I tell you what, I'm 40 years old. I've had surgery. I'm throwing 84 miles an hour. If I make the club and I win a major league baseball game this year, I'll get one, one social media thing. And so I did. And so I, I lost the bet. So I had to get Instagram. And so I've had, I've had Instagram all these years. I don't, don't use it a whole lot, but um, you know, it's trying to keep up with just, just people, that I say yes to, you know, about doing a podcast or we're going to play golf tomorrow or whatever it is, just trying to keep up with people is enough for me. So honestly, to be, to be like spewing information out in the world on Twitter, telling people what I'm doing would be so incredibly demanding of my time. I just, I just can't, I can't figure out how to do it. <laughs> I nor, used to nor, be, I want, nor would I want to, honestly, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want people to know that yeah. I was playing golf with Jim day tomorrow, but, but, but I wanted to know after the fact, you know, after the fact, I'd be like, oh, yeah, cool. I was playing golf at Jim, Jim Day. But I, I, while we're there, it feels strange for people to know where you are all the time. Yeah, it's weird, man. I, I knew the world had changed a little bit when I, I was flying home from Philly and I needed to get an epidural shot in my lower left back. I pitched the night before. And before I landed, I still had the flip phone. I got a text message. We were just off the ground about to land. And, and uh, I got a text message that said, are you back in Cincinnati and are you hurt? And I couldn't figure out how that was possible. Anyone could know that. And somebody had taken a picture of me boarding the plane and said, Bronson Roy's headed back to Cincinnati. Looks like maybe he's hurt. And, uh, you know, you realize you realize that information travels so fast now oh, that yeah. I, I try to stay outside of that circle just a little bit. So at least if people get information about me, at least it's like a day late. That way you don't feel like that uh, people know where you are at all times. The Renaissance man slash throwback. I love it. Hey, you mentioned David Weathers in the stands. Which you text me right when it was I was interviewing David Weathers in the stand, which I thought was cool as heck. One that you were watching, and two that you would text me just to say hi to Weathers, which I did, and he loved that. But his son Ryan, who was you remember it in the outfield, he's throwing in pitches every day, and he's hitting bombs every day, and then all of a sudden he's pitching in the major leagues. I know. And, it, you know, if you if you would have asked anyone in the time that he was around that clubhouse, you know, that was 2006, seven and eight. Yeah. Um, and he was, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old at the time. And he was you would say if, if this guy's going to play in the big leagues, Ryan Weathers is going to be a hitter. He was just no doubt. He was a short, chunky little Babe Ruth looking kid just dropping bombs out there, hitting the ball 200 feet. You know, when he had no business doing that at that age. And you never would thought he'd been 
a tall kind of he's gotten slender and uh and and being a starting pitcher it's uh it, it just shows you how fast time goes by and you just blink and a whole nother generation is now playing yeah. at the same level you've played at and it feels like i could still taste i it feels like i could still you know, I'm still in the clubhouse with David Weathers and he's screaming roll tide, you know, from his locker. Yeah. <laughs> and now his son is in the big leagues. Yeah, no doubt. It, and it's passed down to generations. And um, there's so many metaphors from baseball to life uh, and sports in general. Right. It's it's incredible. So the fact that they're cutting sports programs and cutting art programs just drives me nuts because it's teaches you so much about life and sets the stage for work ethic and i could go on and on but um i think you probably agree with me on that but um i want to real quick before i let you go the music thing and last time i was at your place you which unfortunately with this COVID thing has been a minute i don't know a year maybe or something um you played me some original stuff and i gotta tell you i love you to death and i i'm I probably wouldn't bring it up if I didn't like what I heard, but the stuff was really good. And I know COVID kind of put a, a, a kink into putting this out or at least fin a finished product. Where does it stand? What, what's going on with the original music? Yeah, it's still sitting exactly where it was when COVID hit on, on uh, March 13th, I guess, uh, whatever day it was. Um, you know, California obviously was a, a state that got hit really hard. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the guys that, that play in that band out there, we wrote that original stuff together. They, um, you know, they're a little conservative and, 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 and not, didn't want to just didn't want to push the envelope on getting anybody sick. And so we just put the whole thing on pause for a while. And, um, I'm hoping that we're going to, you know, get through this Delta variant and everything will calm down here in the next, you know, I don't know, six months or something, if we can get it under control and maybe I can get out there and finish that. I, I'm, I'm 100% going to finish the record you know i was about 70 percent done with it as it is i mean the songs are all there it's just a matter of getting all the instrumentation on them and making sure that my vocal is good on most of them but um you know i've been recording some stuff around town here um i got a buddy named cj lambert that is like a, a producer around town here and we we record Beatles songs sometimes or um and i you know i i often wonder you know what what can you do with your music bronson you know does it really matter where it goes and, and i think at the end of the day it's it's the most valuable for me to just record stuff especially original stuff and just put it out in the world somewhere and it doesn't matter if it ever sells but i just think it's something that you're going to leave as a lasting legacy to yourself you know it's probably it's probably more more probable that someone would listen to um an album of mine at, at some point where, and, and not pop in a VCR tape and watch me pitch from, from 2002, you know? So I, I think it's important. I'm going to continue pushing in that direction. And, and, you know, with the, with the local band here, um, I get to play a lot of shows around town and we play all cover songs and that's super fun as well, you know, because people that are in a bar or in a place like Bogarts or, you know, we're opening up for, for Darius Rucker, um, at the end of at the end of September, you know, we get to play shows like that. It's it's just nice for people to be able to come out and listen to songs that they they've heard on the radio and that they enjoy. And so, I've been playing mostly cover stuff around here. But you know, the music's always going to be part of my life, and and uh, it's something that you know it gets me excited now because I don't have the game of baseball anymore. Well, you've come a long way in that regard. I'm serious. The, the original stuff you played me, I was I was blown away, dude. I when you played it, I'm thinking, oh man, what's this even going to sound like? And it was good. The stuff was really good. And, and you know, I'm very much into music and I 
you know, I, I, the, I, I think I don't get into genres of music. I, it's either enjoyable to your ear or it's not enjoyable to your ear. That's right, two right. types of music does regardless of genre. And only you can say what's pleasing to your ear. And Absolutely. I really dug the stuff. I mean, if someone put it in and didn't tell me that it was you, I would have said, man, there's some good songs on here. So I know you got to be excited about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm hope I'm hoping when the record's finished, I'm going to be excited about it because I, I was definitely excited. You know, the process of writing songs was was not easy for me because I'd never really done it. You know, I I, I tried in the past. You you as, as a musician, you're always tooling with chords and and melodies. But as far as finishing a song and telling a story and having it be from front to back polished, where you you don't have to touch it anymore, is hard to do. And I found a formula to be able to do that as long as I had one other person helping me. And so we'd bounce these ideas off each other. And so I was just, I was really happy with just the demos. I didn't know what the songs would sound like as a band, but I was just happy to finish songs. That really got me excited. And then as the songs started coming to life a little bit with better musicians playing on them, it, it I've definitely been pumped about it. You know, I still, I think about it every week for sure about when that record's going to be done and who knows what will happen to it. But, but like I said, I just love to, to, to get it done, put it out to the world and, and go back and try to write another 24 songs and see if you can make another record. You know, it's, there's not really nothing else to do, but keep, keep, uh, you know, keep making music if, if you enjoy it. When's the show with Darius Rucker? That's September 30th. And that's, um, that's over at the pit. You know, the, um, yeah. that's going to be at the pit. That's 13,000. Darius sold that place out quick. We're opening that up. And, uh, We've got some other shows around town on the Bronson Royal Band Facebook page. They keep it updated pretty good. There's a there's some you know some festivals that are coming up in September, and um, we always play you know some smaller bars like up in Springboro and stuff. And uh, you know we usually put like a, a two hour set on. We play, we played at the Bell and the Bear up in Montgomery the other night. Mm -hmm. That was that was fun. We played in downtown Mason the other night. And so you know it's just one off stuff that pops up, and and they're either trying to raise some money or trying to bring some more people to an event and. Uh, it's fun to get out in public and, and I can see the appreciation from people too, you know, that I was such a mainstay in people's lives here as a baseball player. It's just, you know, I think it's enjoyable for them to come out and see me do something different. And usually the reaction I get is like, Oh yeah, I, I heard you played music, but I never heard you. So I figured I'd come out and take a listen. And that's, that's usually the type of crowd we're getting, but it's always, it's always nice that, that you can put on a show for two hours with a full band and, and, um, and people enjoy the music. No doubt about it. Well, dude, I wish you the best of luck, and I hope this neck thing uh, gets better for you because I know that it's putting a crimp into playing guitar too, which is probably killing you. Yeah, and the golf game. <laughs> it's it's bothering my golf game. It's bothering my guitar playing. It's bothering my singing. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not I'm a super you know high energy guy. I'm usually always on the go. I'm always doing stuff. I constantly I don't sit down a whole lot, and I've been I've been laid up for three weeks which feels like three years to me so i'm hoping to i'm hoping to get it fixed sometime soon and get back out and doing some things because it's uh it's definitely been a bit of a bore just sitting around the house well barring uh something happening with you getting that neck fixed on friday august 27th he will be at great american ballpark for the celebrity not the celebrity the reds legends softball game and the Marty Brenneman Hall of Fame induction ceremony, which yours truly is honored to emcee that night. So I will see you that night, my friend. I can't wait for it. Oh, beautiful. All right. And well, thanks again. For... Good, hopefully we're going to get a good crowd there since the team's on the road. We'll see if uh, 
Yeah, it's a different so format, of... so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. But the, all those names I mentioned, why wouldn't you want if you're a Reds fan, man? Right. Come on out. Absolutely. All right, bro. I will be. Uh, I will be invading your texts at some point and deleted right away. I know now. <laughs> <laughs> which right. actually is good because now you now i know that you'll be erasing any evidence oh absolutely yeah <laughs> always always i mean listen there, it, it's about three times a year that i show that i show my wife uh my cell phone and i say look i don't have any text messages dude. i don't have anything to do there isn't there isn't one picture i need to drop in the mail for an autograph or somebody wow. there's, there's nothing in there that's that's always my goal to get my text messages down to zero it happens a few times a year but it only lasts for you know one day and then there's always a few more in there but but i can't imagine i i, I didn't even know how to look somebody up i remember last year somebody said to me i'm like you got all your text messages in there how do you find the person he's like the search bar you just type their name in there i'm like come on i would have never thought of that because i just scroll down and i've only got you know one page full of text messages Leave it to you. You're a beaut because you use your text messages as a to-do list or a calendar. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I want all things off my plate. I want to play golf with a clear mind, have a good have a good meal with some friends, jump in the pool, watch the Reds play, go to sleep and wake it up and do it again. <laughs> nice. Well, you earned it. You've got life by the you know what. So uh Get this neck thing figured out, and we'll be rocking and rolling again. Uh, appreciate right, it, Brownson, man. Uh, you, as I said, you are a beaut. Thanks for coming back on. Always a treat. Always a treat. What a unique person, Bronson Arroyo. I'll have him back. If this podcast goes into the future, he'll be back on because it really doesn't matter what subject you bring up with him he's got something to say about it and it's always interesting it's an interesting take and he'll just admit some things you know i don't know about that like he said i didn't i didn't know how to look i don't know how to look up people people are like dude just hit their name in the search bar oh love it you can check me out uh even though bronson isn't on twitter he says he's on the gram although i haven't not sure i've seen him post much but search for him on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jim Day TV. And as always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It does not fall upon me lightly that you choose to do so when we put out new episodes. And it's been a fun ride so far. And who knows where the ride is going to take us next. Till next time. So long, everyone. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.